It's been good already, yeah? Don't you love when it's like the sermon isn't even on yet and you've already been blessed? I love that. I come to church and I'm just like, I don't even need to preach. Let's just worship for an hour. It was good tonight, yeah? Thank you, worship team. You guys are great. We love you. We appreciate you. And um, if any of you guys feel the urge to get up here and to join in, even if you don't know how to sing, we'll just keep the mic off and you can just look good. Because that's like me, yeah? Guys like me. I can't sing, but I'll get up there on stage. But we just love to worship together and we love to have a variety of faces and everybody up there young and old and big and small short and wide and whatever we're a family and we just love the worship at this church and so if that's something that maybe you guys put on your heart go talk to trevor go talk to the worship guys we just love to see you new. trevor's right here by the way front row so go talk to him good stuff um <clears throat> men of hope represent sign up for camp it's coming up two weeks it's filling up fast we got a bunch of people signed up but only some of them are paid but as soon as people start dropping checks in the mail, you guys are going to be bummed if you can't get in. And we have to tell you, sorry, stay home with your wife and your kids. I mean, sorry. Because the boys are going to be getting our worship on. We're going to be tapping into the Lord and just it's going to be good. But um, make sure you guys sign up. Sign up tonight. Sign up online. Whatever you need to do, get there. It's the highlight of the year. Um, we're talking tonight. If you guys have your Bibles, guess what book we're in? James, you are correct. Um, did you guys enjoy last week's message? Yeah. I'm loving the book of James. I hope some of you guys, did anybody go home and read the rest of the, the other, there's like five chapters total in James. It's good stuff. It's good practical stuff for our lives. And um, James doesn't really beat around the bush. He just puts it right out there. He just tells us, hey, to live a Christian life, remember, talk is cheap. Here's what you do in this situation. Here's how we got to live it. And I like the question that we talked about this uh, tonight, right before uh, Kanani asked is, who in your life is like family to you, yeah? And we got lots of people in our lives that's just like, man, that's just, just like family to me. The goal of what we're talking about tonight in the message, the goal of our lives as Christians that James is going to call us to tonight, is that we would learn to see the whole body of Christ, all Christians everywhere, as family. And that we would love people as family. Now, you may be close to certain people because you just kind of match up in your life the same way. Oh, we have kids, so we kind of hang out together, whatever. But that you would, whenever you come together, that we'd realize that this is actually our extended family. How many of you guys have really big family reunions? Anybody have really, really big ones? Like how many people show up to your family reunions, like the big ones? How much? I heard 200. Anybody got 200 like that? You show up to the big reunion? Anybody go to those kind of big ones? Yeah, that's unreal. But I guarantee you, you don't know every single person's person by name yeah, in your family. You kind of got to ask, hey, Auntie, what's the cousin's name over there? That one, you know, they married in like a couple times or whatever. I don't, I don't know who their name. But it doesn't matter because when you show up, it's all good because it's all family, right? You may not know them, but there's a chance. And as they always say, blood is thicker than water, that, that family sticks together. And it's good that you know that if you got problems, no matter if you don't know them too well, hey, your family, you can, can you hook me up? Can you help me out? Yeah, definitely. They'll drop what they're doing. And see, what James is after tonight, we're going we're gonna to look at, he talks about favoritism. He talks about showing favorites. He talks about how sometimes, for example, we esteem some people higher in our eyes and we kind of look down on other people. And James is saying that's not how it should be. It should be that we're all modeling what the family of God is all about, that we have equal love for everybody else. Now, like I said, there's, there's results of consequences in relationships, right? That like some people you just hit it off with and other people not so much or whatever, but that we would have the kind of attitude that says, look, we're all family of God and we all love each other and we got each other's backs. The reason for this is, 
I'm talking about family of God, other Christians, is because it starts with the family of God. If we learn to love each other with a way that is attractive to the outside world, then there's a chance for us, a privilege for us, to bring those people into the family, into relationship with God, and into life eternal. So it starts with us, what James is going to be talking about tonight, is we got to learn to have the right kind of love for one another, yeah? It's got to be equal. It's got to be, hey, I may not know everybody in here, but do you guys know that I pray for all of you? My wife and I, we're constantly praying for, for this service, for every service we teach, for our entire church. God, I just thank you for the family of Hope Chapel Kaneohe Bay that I belong to. Thank you that they are like family to me. I don't know everybody, but there's a possibility that I'm going to get to someday and I can talk and that if I need anything, I can go to them and they got my back and I feel the same way towards all of you guys. And that I know this church is a family, but not just this church. I went and spoke at um, HBA, Hawaii Baptist Academy today, to their elementary school. And I, I didn't speak to the whole school. I spoke to um, their activities department. What's it called? I don't know. Great brother over there, Craig Chang. And he oversees like all the after-school activities for all the little kids and the holidays and the summer fun and all the stuff that they do. And he had a staff of about 30 people. And I got to share with them kind of about what we're talking about is we have a privilege to give Jesus away. We better not mess it up. We better make the most of every opportunity. We better not screw it up by favoring some people better than other people. But we better make sure that we're loving equally. And as I was talking to all of them, afterwards we took a group picture together. And you know what that group picture really was? That I'm going to put in my new album on Facebook? Those are family pictures because I was with some other extended members of the family of God. Does that make sense to you guys? We need to look at other Christians around the world, starting with us, it starts with us loving the body of Christ and then that love shows and it wears off onto the rest of the world and we love them into the kingdom of God. But we have a privilege to love people into the kingdom of God. But it's got to start here. It's got to start with us and how we view one another. Um, I love our one of our slogans around this church is um, Hope Chapel, we promise to love you as is. And we really try hard. And I'm sorry if you got burned in any way, shape or form and that didn't apply to you, but we are trying hard to promote that, that we promise to love you as you are, that you can come in in any way, shape, or form with any type of past or whatever, and we're going to do our best to embrace you and to give you the love of Jesus. Um, I know that there's sometimes, unfortunately, when I hear or I see in our church even, sadly, or in other churches, people go, whoa, oh, that guy's here tonight. You know who that guy is? You know what his life's all about? You know what? And I just say, hey, stop right there. Praise God, he's in the house of God tonight, yeah? Amen. Oh, you're right, you're right. That's how we need to view one another. We all come from different messed up pasts. We all got baggage. And James is saying, no, don't look, look at the guys that look all clean or rich or whatever, good looking or whatever, and, and exalt them and think they're any different from those guys that look a little bit rough around the edges or a little shady. Because those guys actually probably need Jesus more than the other guys that seem like they got it together. Who knows? But we got to love them equally. So let's look at James chapter 2. And we're going to go through the first 13 verses tonight. And um, next week it's really fun, some, a really good part of the chapter as well. But tonight is, is pretty cool. It's on favoritism. If you guys look at James chapter 2, it starts off right with verse 1, and it says, My dear brothers and sisters, okay, so he's, he's obviously talking to the Christians right now, right? He says, How can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? How, and again, this is James's reoccurring theme is, how come you pretend to be a Christian, call yourself a Christian, how come it's false advertising? Remember we talked about that last week? How can you claim to be in love with the body of Christ and Jesus and all of his kids, and yet you're showing favoritism over here? He goes on, he says, for example, 
Okay? I want you guys to realize, it's going to talk about the rich and the poor tonight. The object is not the rich and the poor. The object is favoritism, and James gives an example of the rich and the poor. You got that? The object that we're focusing on is favoritism. He goes, for example, here's, here's, a, here's an example of favoritism. Suppose someone comes into your meeting, your church meeting, some, some Bibles say your synagogue, your temple, or your church. Suppose someone comes into your meeting, your church event, could be mini church, could be service, whatever, and they're dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention, that same word, favor again, if you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, oh, you can stand over there or else you can sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination, again, favor, special attention, discrimination, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Isn't that, he's, he's saying, look, this is kind of bad when you say, oh, this guy looks good, so he gets a front row seat. Oh, that guy's a little bit dirty. Oh, why don't you just sit on the floor? Because we don't really want you messing up our seats. Or we don't want to smell you because you look like you might smell, right? He goes, isn't, aren't you guided, right, at that time by evil motives? You're judging people before you even know them. He says, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? He goes, just because someone's poor, they're rich in faith. Because doesn't it, how many of you guys would agree, because you can relate to the poor, it takes a little bit more faith to be poor, right, in God, sometimes in rich. When I'm rich, it's like, oh, I don't need faith because I got money, right? The tendency, the human tendency. But when you know more money, oh, God, I need you. God, I need you. How am I going to make that next paycheck? How am I going to feed my kids? And so he's saying, you know what? Listen to me. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? He's reminding them. Remember in Jerusalem when you got kicked out of Jerusalem? Remember which guys did it? It wasn't the poor people that were hassling you. It was the rich big shots that they thought that they were all in control and they knew all the rules. And they're the ones coming down on Christianity. They're the ones bringing the officials into it and persecuting you. Now, I want you to catch in this. Just hear my heart and hear James. He's not saying boo on the rich people and yay for the poor people. He's using an example of favoritism. And he's just using the rich and the poor in this. And he's trying to get the point across. Um, Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures, which says, love your neighbor as yourself. They call this the golden rule, the the royal law. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. In fact, you are guilty of breaking that law, that same law. And here's what favoritism is. If you're wondering what it is, I kind of just got the definition. It's the practice of giving unfair preferential treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. The practice of giving unfair treatment to one person or group at the expense of another. It's, it's showing partiality. It's discrimination. It's stereotyping. It's judging based on someone in the class that they look, look at. It could be their age. It could be whatever. It's when we judge people ahead of time and we assume stuff about them. And then we kind of rank them in our mind. Oh, that guy's important. That guy's not that important. And what the point is Jesus is saying, or James is saying here to all of us, as James refers to Jesus, love everybody equally. You guys are a family. Show the love. Show the world that you're different from how they are. Because the world, we all know, and left to our own devices, our own flesh, we're going to look at well-off people and we're going to, oh, kind of elevate them. And we're going to look at other people and we're going we're to kind of rate them. And he's going, I want you guys to be different from the world. I want you to show the world that you got something that's better, that you don't have to elevate anybody and you don't have to put other people down. We're all God's kids. 
and we all come from the same place, and we all got our ups and downs, but we're all to love one another and accept one another. And I think of, I got stereotyped once. I got kind of showed reverse favor to, if you will, when I was in 10th grade. And this is the weirdest thing. 10th grade English class, um, I'm trying to remember if it started the year, I think our other teacher left, got sick, or you know one of those things where the teacher just stops being your teacher for for whatever reasons, I don't know why, but she, you know, and kids you don't ever remember or care, right, because you're just like, oh, another teacher. So one teacher left, and this other teacher came in for like the rest of the year. And instantly as she came in, I, I saw that she was, she would take role in the class, she's trying to get to know all the people, and she's looking at all the faces, and I remember from day one, she kind of zoomed in on me, and she goes, oh, you, and I'm like, what? You know, like what I do. And from then on, every single day, it was for some reason, it was like discriminating against me for some reason. She would, she shifted around all the seats, right? And I was like right up in front of her desk. I'm like, what, what is this? What did I do? You know, you sit there. I know you. I'm like, no, you don't know me because I don't know you. I've never had you before, right? And she would come around and like a week or so would go by and she goes, is this really your name? I'm like, what? Yes, it's my name. I was born with it. I've had it my whole life. That's my name. She goes, okay, okay. And I was like, what did I do? But she would, every time I'd be doing a, a test or something like that, you know how the teachers kind of walk around? She'd come and she'd stand right by my desk and look down at my paper. And I'm just like, what? What is going on? You know, I'm like fully framed. For some reason, I just got fully reverse favored, stereotyped against. And she would come up to me and she goes, your name is Jason. I'm like, no, my name is not Jason. My name is Carl. She goes, are you sure? I, I remember you from last time, from other class or the other. You, did you transfer from the other school? I'm like, what are you talking about? Leave me alone, lady. You're crazy. You know, what is going on? And I remember just trying my hardest to be the best student possible because I had to prove this dumb lady wrong. Like, you got me mistaken with some other amazingly good looking guy somewhere else with the name of Jason. And that's not me. Right. And so finally, I guess, like months into it, I finally convinced her. And she kind of just went, wow, you really are Carl. I'm like, yes, I'm Carl. And she goes, hey, you're doing a good job and you're getting A's and all this stuff. And I just remember that feeling of being like, what, why? why? Why are you doing this to me, right? But we have a tendency to do this stuff. We have a tendency to bring favoritism in. I've also had the opposite favoritism where I've been shown favor in a good way that I didn't even deserve, that I didn't earn. I went up to Bible college when I was like 20 years old or something like that in the mainland. And um, it's the Bible college is called uh, Life Bible College, and it's our four-square denominations Bible college. We belong to a denomination um, that's called four-square. It's like any other denomination. There's Lutherans, there's Baptists, there's whatever. We're called four-square. We're a really big mission-minded organization. We plant a lot of churches. Um, anyway, that's our, that's our denomination. So I went up there, and in our denomination, my dad is pretty well-known. Because my dad has started, we all just think, oh, Pastor Ralph, yeah, he's a cool pastor here in Hawaii. But in the mainland, everybody knows him. Oh, that's a guy that's responsible for like over 700 churches in the world. And he teaches on church growth and he does church multiplication. And like, oh, he's a big shot. He's somebody, right? But I never knew that. I just went off to college and I thought, yeah, my dad's cool. He's an all right pastor, whatever, you know. And um, I would go there. And I remember one time I went to a convention. I was with another pastor and uh, just meeting some people. And he goes, hey, um, uh, introduced me to some pastor. Hey, I want you to meet, um, this is Carl. And the guy's like, oh, hey, like, come here, Trevor. Let me make an example. Here's how the guy said, right? He's, he's meeting several other pastors and I'm kind of just the college student along. And so you be Carl and I'll be the pastor, right? But he goes, oh, hey, this is, uh, I want you to meet Carl. And I'm like, and the guy's like, oh yeah, hey, how you doing? You know, like that, right? Okay. And then my friend that I'm with goes, yeah, he's Ralph Morrison from Hawaii. 
And suddenly, if I'm the guy, the pastor, he goes like this. Oh, Ralph Morrison? Hey, let me shake your hand again, buddy. Wow, it's really good to meet you. Hey, hey, how you doing? All right. Hey, thanks for going. You can sit down now. Sorry, I just embarrassed you. Then I got this crazy dose of, like, favoritism. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And I just thought something about, like, man, that's wrong. You know, you just get that feeling, like, why? I didn't deserve that. You don't know me. And at first, you kind of diss me. And then you find out, like, I'm someone's son or whatever. And then you're all fake. And I'm just like, that's not how we're supposed to be. And James here is saying, don't be fake. Don't be overbear. Don't be favoring some person for some reason or another and looking down on someone. Show equal amount of love to everybody and give everybody a, a shot at love. Is that making sense? It's a real simple message we're talking about here tonight. But I find myself guilty of it in more ways than one. Some examples are he's given us the rich versus the poor here. When in reality, if you remember Jesus in the Gospels, remember when he's cruising by the temple one day and he's watching everybody come in and pay their temple offering and he's watching them, and all the Pharisees are like, here's my $100, right? And they're all showing off, and they're all giving. But in reality, they're so rich that $100 meant nothing to them, right? And along comes this poor old widow. You guys remember this story? And the widow comes along, and she drops in like her two cents. And Jesus is cruising, and he's watching. And he goes, hey, hey, wait a minute. You guys, you guys see what's happening here? He goes, all of these people are giving something that's so minor, and it looks all big, and they're all showy about it, but they can totally afford it. How blessed is this woman right here when she gave all she has? And see, the outside world looks at the rich and the poor and they go, oh, there's the rich. There's the guys that drive those nice cars and there's the this and there's the that. And oh, look at this poor old lady. And Jesus goes, no, she's the one that is blessed because she's giving all that she can to the Lord. And so the rich and the poor, we've got to be careful about this favoritism thing. Jesus was always about, about looking on the inside and loving people for who they really were. Sometimes we discriminate against age. Even in church, man, I was a youth pastor for 15 years, and I know that youth get youth pastors, youth ministry, we get dissed on a lot, hard. I love the youth guys in our church. I love Frank. I love Brad. I love our kids, what they're doing. Did you know this? That every year we send all these trips out, missionary trips out around the world, the majority of the missionaries that we send out are under 17 years of age. Probably over half of the missionaries we send out every year are kids in high school and junior high. And think of how much more difficult it is for them to raise $2,000 than someone with a full-time job, right? These kids are earning it, and some of them are going back year after year after year. See, we can never be all about favoring, oh, well, they're young. They're not, they're not really serious about God yet. Well, you guys would be surprised, you know? Some of our pastors started off by being these youth that were on fire for the Lord and, and go off and do great, amazing things. We've got to be careful about, about stereotyping, about favoring the old or the young over one another. We sometimes stereotype people based on looks, based on status, based on intellect. Oh, that guy's not too bright. I'm not going to hang with him because I'm much smarter, so I'm over here. Right? We've got to be careful. That. And sometimes we, it's reverse, right? Oh, that guy's such an egghead, but me, I'm just like down here, salt of the earth kind of guy. I never went to college. But we put these favoritism things, and James is going, guys, be careful. That's wrong. Give everybody a chance. Love everybody. They're your family. You may not know them real well. It's like your third, fourth, fifth distant cousin married in, right, with a neighbor and something. And I don't really know you, but you're my family. And God is saying that. We're the family of God. Let's learn to treat one another like that. Um, you know what I appreciate about our church right now? This is something that I was just thinking about the other day. I appreciate the amount of military personnel that we have in our church. I really do. There's, there's some in this service, and I love you guys, and I'm stoked, but you should see some of the Sunday morning services. There's so much military people, and i got to confess to you, 
for years, I kind of had a little bit of a discrimination against military people. And the reason was, was because when I was young and I was growing up, I had friends that were in the military. And they would come, and I'd get to know them, and I'd hang out, and they'd leave. And I'd be bummed. I'd be, I'm, but how do, they, how do you think they feel? They go around their whole life doing that, right? And so I'd be bummed. And so growing up in the church, I was always like, man, it's hard to invest with the, get the military people fully involved because they're just going to leave us, right? So I was always kind of bummed. And I was like, oh, it's hard to get the military guys involved. And then God just started giving us more and more military. We got the base right there and all the military coming in. And God kind of reversed my thinking. And he goes, how much more do they need the love and the acceptance of the church? Because they are already feeling like foreigners because they're only here for a couple of years. What an opportunity you have to invest in them for that one year and to love them in and make them feel like family. And so we've been focusing on that. We've been reaching out to the base. We've been trying to do open houses at the base. And you know what we get by, by understanding not to play favorites, but to love everybody equally? We start to see the value that Hope Chapel is equipping people in the military And then as they go out, they're being sent out around the world with the equipping that we're able to pour into them, the love of God that we're able to pour into them. And we got strong leaders that are going all around the world. Isn't that a cool thing? But see, I had to confess, I had to repent. God, I'm sorry for how I discriminated and put favoritism on local people. We're local people's church. No way, that's wrong. We got to love everybody. We can reach the world through the military. I love that. We're a local and global church. And we need to be careful of how we show favoritism. Spiritual maturity, we look around at people, um, and we kind of write people off. Oh, that guy, they're just like a baby Christian. Oh they're, just, oh, they're not at my level yet. I actually heard someone say, I wrote it down here. Someone actually said once, um, oh, it's hard for me to make friends because no one's at the spiritual level that I'm at. I said, oh, ouch, right? Ouch, how that hurts me so much. You know, oh, it's hard for me to make friends because no one's at my level. Oh, man, I, I feel sorry for you. I feel really sorry for you if, you if you've elevated yourself to that level because God says no favorites, right? There's a guy that I, I met that's, that's three months in the Lord. He's been coming to our church. Um, he met Jesus. God's been working in his life. He's up here working on the church all the time. I heard him sitting here in the prayer and healing service last night saying how the other day God gave him a vision while he was working over there in the church um, property on the new offices. God showed him this amazing prayer vision and, and God was just lifting him up and showing this. I'm just going, whoa, that's heavy. And it was like real stuff. And then he said, God told him to ask people around him, hey, is, is, is there someone that's, that's feeling sick in your family? And the guy's like, oh no. He's like, are you sure someone doesn't have a stomach ache? And the guy, oh, my wife has a stomach ache. And then they start praying and he starts sharing the joy and he just had this vision. And God gave him this word, this spiritual gift, right? Words of knowledge for this other guy. And all the guys sat around and they prayed and they're crying and God was there and the presence was there. And this guy's going, oh, but I feel so unworthy of all of this stuff. And I'm over here, been a Christian for a long time, and I'm envious and I'm jealous of that, that this brand new Christian that would be easy for people to go, oh, he doesn't know much already because he's only three months in the Lord. But instead, God is going, no, I'm loving him. I'm hooking him up with visions, with, with words of wisdom and words of knowledge, with healing, with all of the stuff that he's doing. And who am I to judge what God can do in another person's life, right? The spiritual maturity of, you know that Jesus, who he hung out with most, the people that loved him most in this world, were the sinners and the kids. You guys remember that? That all the people when he came to this earth that were rich and well-to-do and that were religious and all of that, they hated him. They were against Jesus. And actually, he was not too stoked with the way that they were acting, right? But you know who loved him was, let the little ones come unto me. Oh, hey, sorry, Jesus, let me get this kid out of here. No, 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 no. You guys need to be more like these guys. And he hung out with the kids. Can you imagine? Everywhere Jesus went, the kids were like, hey, there's that cool guy. 
yeah, there's, there's Uncle Jesus, you know? And they're just like, yeah, I want to hang out with that guy because he loves us. You know, he doesn't push us out of the way. And you know who else loved him? The worst of the worst, the sinners. He was called a friend of sinners. Hey, Jesus, why do you hang out with these tax collectors and dirty guys and sinners and all this? And he goes, hey, you know what? The sick need the doctors. Not you guys. You guys are all good already, right? And then Jesus goes, hey, there's no favoritism in my book. Whoever needs it is going to get it. Rich, poor, young, old, whatever. I'm here for you. And that's the kind of thing that James is calling us to right here tonight. Um, the only way, because I have some friends, oddly enough, they, they want to hang out only with the spiritually mature and the hardcore, and they want to hang out with leaders. And I, I get that. I get that you're trying to sharpen up and all of that. But you've got to remember that to become a leader, you started off as a follower somewhere, Right? And the Great Commission is to go into all the world and look for all the guys that are hardcore and they're solid. The Great Commission is to go into all the world and give Jesus to those that need it, that don't know anything about him. You introduce him to Jesus and you bring them along and you grow them in their faith. But if I'm holding out to only hang out with the spiritually mature, then I'm missing the whole point of what the Great Commission is out and I'm never going to touch my world. Does that make sense? We've got to go after the followers who turn into the leaders and we've got to make sure we love on people equally that way. Equal love, however, also means equal tough love, right? That means we can't pull punches if we think someone's all high up or they're, they're more spiritual. Oh, I don't want to confront him because, you know what, he, he's kind of like a pastor or he's rich or he's this or whatever. I don't want to really confront. I don't want to shake the boat. We've got to be able to deal with the people that they kind of seem like they matter. Let me give you an example. A lot of pastors I know, and there's a tendency in me to do this because it, it's bad. It's a wrong tendency. To say, oh, you know what, that guy's kind of in sin a little bit, or he's causing trouble amongst the rest of the, the family of God. Oh, I better confront him. Oh, no, wait, you know what? He's one of our biggest tithers. I better be careful, right? There's a lot of pastors I know that say, I don't want to really confront the sin. I don't want to get in their life. I don't want to shake the boat. So they play favorites. Uh, he's a big tither for the church. We need the money, so we won't say anything about that one, right? Ooh, that's a scary place to be, yeah? You know what Proverbs says? There's a good verse. I, I, I put it on Facebook this past week. Proverbs 28.6 says, Better to be poor and honest than rich and dishonest. Right? It's better to lose people who are big tithers from your church, but you're doing the right thing and you're not showing favoritism. And if they're wrong, they're wrong. And you point it out. Right? we got to be able to give love and also be able to give tough love. And we give it equally. If people need confrontation, people need um, to be confronted. They need to be disciplined. And then it goes on in verse 8. Why favoritism is such a big deal? James says, Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is just as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. Isn't that heavy? Think about that one. Let's reread that one. The person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. There's people around this time when James was writing this letter, there's people in the church that are going, ah, come on, favoritism's not that big of a deal. I'm not really breaking the law. I still love everybody, but I kind of love some people a little bit more, some people a little bit less. But the main thing is, I still love everybody. And James is going, no, no, no. You can't just say, well, I only broke the law a little bit. You've got to love everybody equally. Favoritism actually is a big deal. Because the Bible says it's a big deal. 
It says you are actually breaking the royal law. The royal law is because it was Jesus's law. The king of kings spoke it himself. It says this law of love, it's a big deal. Favoritism breaks the royal law of love. Favoritism is when we take the main thing that the Bible is all about. Four-letter word, love, right? Jesus said, all of the law, all of the prophets hangs on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, everything you got, and love your neighbor as yourself. It all comes down to one word. And when we show favoritism, it says directly right here, you're guilty of breaking the main law that Christianity is all about. You know, if we're able to sum up the Bible in one word, what is the synopsis? What is the Cliff Notes version? What is the one word? It's this word love. And directly right here, he's saying that when you show favoritism, you're not really showing true love. You're actually breaking this law. It's a, it's a royal command. It's in John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus himself says this. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Because the, the law about love your neighbor as yourself has been around since Leviticus time. It's been quoted throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, we know that one already, God. That, that's cool. Jesus goes, no, let me put a new twist on it. Here's my new commandment in John 13, 34. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. You've heard that. Then he says this. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. He just cranks it up a notch. I want you, Christians, to love other people the same way that me, Jesus, the Son of God, went to that cross for you. See, you've already heard it said, love one another. Yeah, we know that already. Jesus goes, let me put a new twist on it. Love people the way that I loved you. I came to this earth. You didn't deserve it. You weren't cool. Mankind had turned its back on God. And Jesus comes down and he goes, yep, you don't deserve it but I'm going to that cross anyway because I want relationship with you. And he's calling us to step it up and to really get in there and to love unconditionally. Your love for one another, and this is the, the, the killer part, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. This was at the Last Supper when Jesus was about to, to be on trial and killed and he's giving his disciples parting words. Last things, he goes, you know how everybody's going to know that you're Christians? For your love for one another. That's where it starts off. We can go love the world after, but it's got to start here. If you can love the family of God, that's how other people are going to look and they go, wow, how's the way that guy acts? That's not how the rest of us act. What is he? That guy's a Christian, huh? What's the deal with that guy? He loves God and God has given him a love for other people. I want some of that. That's how people are going to, to, to know us. Love is what identifies us as Christians. Love, nothing else, right? You can put bumper stickers on your car, right? We can do the whole like, Jesus lives and he greater than I and all that stuff. That's cool. T-shirts and hats. We can wear this stuff. We can make sure we have the gold star for church attendance. I go every week. Look, I'm there every week. We can do all the other stuff. I can, I can memorize scripture and I can spout it off to you. I can memorize the worship songs and sing them out loud without looking at the words. Oh yeah, God, look, I got this. I know it. Right? We can do all the Christian stuff. But James is saying right here, and Jesus himself is saying, the way that other people are going to know that you're a Christian is by your love for one another. All that other stuff's cool, and you should do it because you're repping God. But the way that people know what identifies you as a Christian is the way you love one another. So we better get on our game. And James is saying, so enough playing around with this favoritism stuff. Really love people. Get in there and love people. He says, um, on the same train of thought, that some people thought this is no big deal because I'm not really breaking any major laws. If I kind of have a little bit of favoritism, it's not that big of a deal. And Jesus is going, no, it's a big deal. In fact, I was reading in this book, Undercover, by John Bevere. A lot of us have been reading it in this church. And it says this, Partial obedience is not obedience at all in the eyes of God. Partial obedience is not obedience at all in the eyes of God. 
He goes, if you break one part of it, favoritism, but you're doing pretty good at loving people, he goes, it's, it's just not the same. That's not true love. You've broken the law because you're, you're doing this favoritism thing. Partial obedience is the same as disobedience. That's heavy. If I'm going to love people, I better really do it. I better really do it and I better really mean it. In verse 12, he says, so whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, then God will be merciful when he judges you. See, we need to, as Christians, create a new culture, a new culture that involves that involves mercy, honor and love, a, a culture around us where we're loving everybody equally, where if we expect God to bless us, then we better be blessing his other kids. Right. You know that salvation is not earned through good works. Right. It's, it's an act of faith and it's through grace that we've been saved. But as you have this ongoing relationship with God, our loving Heavenly Father, and you're being mean to his other kids, your brothers and sisters, then God, as a good dad, is not going to be happy with you. And the blessings that he was going to give you, he's kind of withholding because he's going, Man, that's not cool. It's the same way in my life. If my kids are being mean to one another, right, and I'm, and I'm promising to give them good stuff, suddenly I'm going, no, you know what? You're not getting the iPod tonight. You're not getting the TV. No door of the Explorer for you. You're being mean to your brother and sister, right? Because if you're not loving God's other kids, who God loves with all his heart the same way that he loves you, he's bummed out and he's going, I can't reward you being mean to my other kids. And so he's saying, by the same mercy that you show for others is the same mercy that I'm going to show to you. You know, you're going to have to go to bed early, I tell my kids, right? You can't get along, you can't love each other. Well, those kids right there, I love them as much as I love you. And when you hurt them, you're hurting me. So go to bed early. No iPod, no TV, no food, no water, no breathing. No, not that far. <laughs> but there's, there's, a, there's a lot of work here that God is saying, if you can't learn to love everybody, then it's hard for me to give love towards you. You're still saved. You're still in the family of God. But he's going, I've got all these blessings I want to give you, but don't treat my other kids like that. I'm not going to give you the good stuff that's happening over here. God blesses you when you bless his other kids. That should be a, a, just a thing that we live by. God blesses me when I bless God's other kids. There's a, there's a verse in Romans that I want to take you to right now, and I just want to read this because it summarized Paul teaching this. It goes right along with what we're talking about, no favorites. Romans 19, or sorry, Romans 12, verse 9 through 21. And it describes this relationship we're supposed to have with others. It starts off by just saying this directly. Don't just pretend to love others. Remember what we said last week? Talk is cheap. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Exalt people. Give them value. Lift them up. Thank them for who they are. Build people up. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Is that you? Would that describe you? Would it? When you come to church or you hear something or someone in your mini church, man, I really need this. And you're just like, oh, well, good luck with that. Right? Hope someone helps you out there. I'll pray for you. Bye. You know, or are you ready to go? You know what? Um, I don't have it on me, but I can go home and get it. I have this or I can come over right now. I can help you out. And those are the people that God is proud of and that he's going to give the blessings to because they're not withholding blessings from other people. He's not going to withhold the blessings in your life. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. I've seen some of the poorest people just get hooked up and blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed. So it doesn't matter what their paycheck is. God is taking care of them and meeting their needs. Why? Because they're constantly giving away to the needs of other people. 
They're just developing this mindset. God blesses you when you bless his other kids. And it says, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Anybody practice that one lately? That's hard. When someone is making you mad and just getting on your nerves. And, you know, like I said before, you pray the bad stuff against them. God, remove them. Like my, my daughter's always praying, just fire her, God, fire her. Her math teacher, right? I'm like, no, Kylie, that's can't do that. Like, God, fire her. I'm like, no, no, we're not going to do that. You know what? Let's do what the Bible says. Let's pray blessings on her. Because if God gets involved in her life and changes her heart or her attitude, maybe God will lighten the homework load. You never know what could happen. But if you pray for that boss or that irritating person or whatever, for God to get in their life and to bless them, it could change their whole attitude. They could stop being irritating. It might turn into this loving person that you never knew simply because you prayed God's blessing in their life instead of, God, get them back, please, for what they're doing to me. Right? He says, pray, pray blessings on them. Don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Carl, don't think you know it all. Okay, God, thanks. You know? And that's the one where, where people say, oh, you know what, I, I can't have any friends because no one's as spiritually mature as me. Oh, come on. Be willing to hang out with ordinary people. And when you do, maybe God will show you that you're pretty ordinary yourself, that nobody's that cool. In fact, we're all unworthy, and we don't deserve the love that God has given us. So we better share the love that he's given us with one another. It says, um, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Make sure everybody looks at you and and they say, wow, I've seen Carl get upset, but man, he doesn't blow up. He doesn't lose it. He doesn't do this. He doesn't go and just tear that person a new one. He doesn't go off and write them off. You know what? He's still a person that honors other people. May not be getting along right now, but keep the peace in the family of God. I can tell you right now, I am not always that guy. I'm not. But I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to take this practical advice from James and from Romans that says, you know what? Always make sure that everything that you do is seen as still honoring other people. Even if you don't agree with them, then bless them. God bless them, change them, do something. But make sure that there's not gossip behind the back. Make sure that you're not tearing them down, that you're trying to get them back, that there's revenge, that you're going, God, I'm still going to be honorable before you. I'm still going to value these people. They're as much a child of God as I'm a child of God. Honor people. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Work hard at that. Work hard at living in peace with people. He's not saying you have to be everyone's best friend. Just just live at peace with them. We're family. You know, you may not get along with a couple of your brothers or sisters or cousins or whatever, but hey, we're family. We've got to stick together. Love them. In verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. I like that one. Right? In this, doing this, you're just going to heap shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You know what I say to that? Fight back with love. When someone does something mean to you or bad to you or whatever, fight back with love instead of going the way that the world would operate. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new command, a new way of thinking. You're going to be different from the world. You fight back with love instead of with hate. That's hard, man. I struggle with that one, too. Someone does something to me, I'm just, oh, I'm bummed or I'm mad or I'm like, oh, whatever. And i got to be reminded of this. You know what? Love them. Love, love all over them. Beat them down with love. I, there was a time I was a youth pastor in the, the church in Huntington Beach, and I remember 
I started going to this church, and for whatever reasons, some of the old ladies that were in that church, because it started off, we, we went to this church, and there's only a small gathering of really old people, right? And so we came in, and there was a new pastor, and I wanted to be the new youth pastor, and we came in there, and I remember so there were some, some ladies that just wrote me off completely. I was like, man, why? What, you know, what did I do? But for whatever reason, my hair was longer than it is now back then, you know, because I was cool back in the 90s, right? Super long, ponytail, surfed, everything, right? And there was this other guy that was a college student, and I think they kind of, these old ladies wanted him to be the youth pastor because he was clean cut, you know, collar shirt, tucked in, pants up to here, you know, and he was like, hi there, how are you? He's He's a good young man, whatever. He fit the image that they wanted, and I looked something different, you know, and whatever, and I came in there and was working with all these kids, pulling these kids off the beach, off the street, and they're wearing their baggy pants and their hats and their this and their that to church, and they just didn't like the way that I was running the youth ministry in that church. And I just remember going, ah, being so bummed. And then remember reading this about don't let evil conquer you, but conquer, conquer evil by doing good. And if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. I remember just making it my goal to bless those ladies every time I saw them. And I would come in and I'd just like, oh, hey, Mrs. Whatever. And like, oh, hi, Carl. Well, hey, that's a really nice sweater vest you're wearing today. It's beautiful. Love the colors. Oh, well, thank you. You know, and then so every day and I would just come in like, hey, how's it? Can, can I carry your Bible for you? Can I do something? And I told the kids to just love on them. We're going to win them over with love. Right. And it took a few months, long months, hard months, humbling months. But we won them over. And as their youth group was going and God was blessing it, soon these old ladies would come to me and they're like, we're praying for you, Carl. You're doing a great job. We love you. And then, you know, they get me donuts and everything. And it's like, wow, God, this verse works. I want to be someone that James is talking about. Don't play favorites. Don't give in to that. Don't, don't fight back with revenge and all this. But truly love one another. Remember that right here in this room tonight, if all of us in this room know Jesus, we are family and we're eternal family. Do you guys realize that? We're eternal family. We're going to see each other for all of eternity. You better get used to liking one another right now because we're going to be together for a long, long time. So make some friends, you know, get to know one another because we're family. And James is saying there's no room for discrimination, for favoritism, for judging, for partiality, for any of this in the family of God. We create an atmosphere of love and of honor. Someone wrote me an email yesterday from New York. And he goes, hey, Carl, you don't know me, but he goes, I've been, someone hooked me up to a radio station that plays your guys' sermons about two years ago. And I've been an avid listener ever since. And I'm a big fan and I love what, what I hear and I love the messages. They're encouraging and they're inspiring. You don't have to take the time to write back. I know you're a busy guy, but just thanks and know that you're making a difference all the way over here in Long Island, New York. And I was like, man, that's the kind of guy I want to be. I want to just, when I think of something, I want to bless someone. I want to just, just have the privilege of loving on other people. Like, I made my day. I was like, oh, I felt so encouraged. And I wrote him back today. I go, hey, you know his name. And I, just, I said, thanks. Thank you for the encouraging words. Thank you for taking the time to just show the love to me. I appreciate it. It's good to know we got family, friends and family of God, all the way over there in New York. God bless, Carl. And I sent it off to him. You know what? He writes me back today, and he goes, Hey, thank you for taking the time to respond so quickly. You didn't even have to respond. He goes, I was down on the beach today, walking with my dog, just having some good time with the Lord. And he, was, he said he called out to God, God, I wish you could just give me a, just a little small sign um, to show me that you love me and that you're still thinking about me. 
And he said he came off the beach and he went home and he read my email. And he said that was God speaking to him and it made his day. And I just thought, that's how the family of God is supposed to operate. That's the kind of people we're supposed to be to one another. We're supposed to honor one another. We're supposed to be merciful with one another. We all come in this room with baggage. Who are we to judge one another, right? We're supposed to be uplifting and honoring. And I'm stepping in as the new senior pastor of this church sometime soon, right? It's kind of in the mix. It's kind of happening. And there's a lot of things that I do that are different style, different vision from my dad. But you know what? The foundation is totally the same. And in the midst of me coming in and making changes and being a new person in a different style and leading this church forward and taking it beyond where we're at, I cannot get away from the fact that I owe it 100% to my dad to be where I am today, that I honor him no matter what. And it's tough kind of with the transition and stuff like that, but I honor what my dad has done to build this church. And there's a lot of stuff that is never going to change because it's foundation because he mentored me. He discipled me. He poured into me. He did all that he did. On top of that, he was a great father to me. And so I'm always going to honor my dad for everything that he's done to me. And we as Christians got to be thinking that way towards one another. That we got to honor one another. We got to lift one another up. We got to be thankful for one another. And the reason was, is what Jesus said, is this is what identifies you as Christians. If you want the rest of the world to be interested in this God that we have, and the reason that we all get together, and the reason that we call ourselves Christians, then you better start by loving one another. That's what identifies us. No room for favoritism. It's all about love. Love people equally. This is a good word tonight. Simple but solid, yeah? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for the book of James and just how clearly it speaks to us and how practical it is. Lord, we thank you for reminding us. Lord, for reminding me, I appreciate it, Lord. They remind me not to play favorites. Lord, because I get that way. I stereotype people. I judge people, Lord. And I just pray you forgive me of that. Lord, forgive all of us. We want to be a church that is all-inclusive, that is all-loving, that is full of grace, that is quick to love on people, quick to bring them into our group, into our family, and to just bring them Jesus Christ. Lord, James is telling us that we have the privilege of loving people into an eternal relationship with you. Lord, help us not to mess it up. Help us not to play favorites. Help us not to to screw things up by our attitudes, but help us to show equal love to everybody, God. We just want to be that kind of a people. Lord, thank you for this church. I love this church, Lord. I love the people in my congregation, the people that are in my family, Lord, and I love that they support me, Lord, and I just want to continue to lift them up and just can't wait to see where you're going to take us, Lord, in the future, in the the months, in the years to come, Lord. You're so good. And as we're continuing to pray right now, Lord, if there's anybody here tonight, and maybe I'm talking to you, there's anybody here tonight that you've never really made a commitment to Jesus Christ to really be in the family of God, to really accept his leadership and his lordship in your life, to really accept the forgiveness that he's offering you. He knows where you've been. He knows your past. He knows where you're at right now, and he still loves you. He's still calling out because he wants you to be in his family. He wants to bless you. He wants you to be in eternity in heaven with him. And if you're sitting here right now and you're going, you know what, that sounds pretty good, Pastor. What do I got to do? Well, let me tell you, it's as simple as believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Confessing with your mouth that he is Lord, that he is your God. And the first step is that heart thing where you just really 100% in your heart of hearts give him room to operate in your life and you give your life to him. Where you begin to believe that Jesus came, he forgave you, he died for your sins and you let him lead your life. And we're going to do that right now. We're going to pray together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
And what we're going to do is, again, I'm going to say the words out loud. I'm going to pray out loud, but I'm not going to make you pray them out loud. I'm just going to ask that you would pray them in your heart. That's the first step. After service, you can go and tell people, confess with your mouth, hey, I prayed that prayer. But right now, it's a heart thing. And if you want to get things right with God and accept His plan for your life and begin to walk for Him from this day forward, this isn't a one-time prayer. This is an ongoing relationship. And if you want to do that right now, please allow me the privilege of leading you in a simple prayer that would make God the Lord of your life, that you'd follow Him and He'll begin to change your life and bless you in ways you could never imagine, forgive you of your past, and change your future. If that's what you want, I'm going to pray out loud in a minute here. I just want to know if you're going to pray with me. Everybody around has got their eyes closed and their heads bowed. There's some people later that are going to want to welcome you and they're kind of looking for you right now, but they're the only other ones that are looking other than me. And I just want to know, if you want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to become a Christian right now, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just to let me know that we're going to pray together. This is the best decision you'll ever make. And if you're ready, raise your hand on three. One, two, three. Go ahead, raise those hands. Good. Hold them up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Keep them up. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Thank you, Father God. Fifteen, maybe sixteen. Thank you, Lord, for those hands. Unreal. Go ahead and put your hands down now. And I want you just to pray this prayer in your heart that I'm going to say out loud. You just make this your prayer to God. God, here I am tonight, Lord, and I... I learned something tonight, Lord. I feel you calling me. I learned that I can have hope in you and who you are, Lord. And you love me. You're reaching out to me. You've been waiting for me for a long time. And Lord, right now, I just want to tell you, yes, here's my life. Here's my heart. Here's all of me. Here's all the mistakes, the mess. You know me better than anyone. Lord, I surrender it all to you right now. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ, your son, left heaven, came to this earth, became a man, went to that cross for me to pay for my sins so that I would not have to deal with that punishment of eternity in hell. But Lord, as I say yes to you, and I believe that your son died for me to give me forgiveness, Lord, then you begin a new work in me, and I'm a new creation, and you will now be my God, and you will lead me. Lord, and I trust you from this day forward, I will follow you. Lord, for the times that I don't have the strength, you will strengthen me through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you keep me in this church to strengthen me with other Christian believers that have my back. Lord, help me to be in the Word of God, in the Bible, so that I learn stuff. I get inspired. I get strengthened. I pray for you to speak to me when I pray. Lord, everything that you have for me, I want it, Lord. I want to be water baptized. I want to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just want all of you. Here's all of me, Lord. Do something incredible. Change my life. I'm saying yes to you from this day forward. Thank you for loving me, for accepting me, for changing my eternity starting right now. And in Jesus' mighty name, we all said Amen, and praise God for about 15 people that joined our family tonight. Amen.